Welcome to Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. I'm Tracy Brown, the fraud-busting body language expert. I've spent the last 20 years reading people, uncovering secrets hidden in plain sight to find the truth in crimes, politics, and billion-dollar business deals. And I want you to be able to tell whose pants are on fire, make better decisions, and build your bottom line as well. Get ready. Let's dive in. It's Tracy, and I am here with Alex, my favorite and only producer. Welcome, Alex. Thanks for having me back again. Hey, I'm just reading this stuff about Brian Laundry. Have you been following this? Have I been following it? I am waiting like you, like just like a, like a, like as anxiously as anybody can wait for the interview with the parents. Huh? Well, first of all, how did they found him dead, right? Yeah, yeah, they found him dead in the Everglades uh, down there. Florida man strikes again. Okay. Well, it, it, he, yeah, it is Florida man, but it's it's like for real this time. It's not just someone who's regular crazy. It's like, well, they really are Florida men. Florida, I mean, that's where they, they were are. from, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, so here's the thing, because you've been down to the Everglades more than me, mm-hmm. is they say they found him in an area that's usually up to your chest in water. Which is most of the Everglades. Yeah. Well, yeah. So did did he did his him and his stuff just float somewhere and then land in a certain spot when the water went down? Like, that seems kind of weird. And they and and they all they're not saying a whole lot. But if you if you read close, they only found his skull and they said skeletal remains. So did someone did did a alligator take the rest of him? Like what? Like, I am so curious about what actually happened. I am too. And I don't imagine we're going to know that probably ever. That's kind of like you find, you know, somebody's leg floating in the ocean and you don't find the rest of them. You're never going to know what happened to the rest, but most likely it got eaten by something that lives there. So having spent significant time in the area of the glades, then yeah, that place is teeming with gators and gators are non-discriminate about eating dead product, you know, very much the same as vultures. Um, the nice thing is that they don't throw up on you first, which is what the vultures do. Oh, geez. That, that's just insult to injury. But what about, here's what I'm the most disappointed about is dog. The bounty hunter was in on this deal, came up dry and, you know, and, and this thing went on for a couple of weeks, at least it only takes him half an hour to catch. I was going to say 22 minutes with commercials. And why, why didn't he have him? He should have had him. What happened to dog? I don't know. I'm feeling disappointed and how this whole thing came out. Cause you know, they, um, they thought they saw him on the Appalachian trail and actually the U S marshals, uh, saw this guy mm-hmm. who's, uh, apparently his tattoos didn't end up matching, but they came with this guy with guns drawn and, uh, and ready to take him. And it wasn't him. It was his doppelganger. Can you- I didn't realize that they had actually tracked that person down. I know they had mm-hmm. ruled somebody out, but that's interesting. Uh, and, he wouldn't be the first person that chose to hide out on the AT. That's a really interesting thing. But, you know, if I had to guess, and that's all I'm doing about mm-hmm. Brian Laundry, that he knows it's probably game over, even though it probably isn't like they would have a really hard time proving any case based on the information they have at this point. And he has not admitted to anything. He has not said anything. Uh, so I, I don't they, they know that Gabby is, was found dead and she was, you know, strangulation and throttling technically is what the coroner said. Uh, but there's no way to officially link that to Brian Laundry that I know of. Not well, that I'm an expert. I don't know. Either, so he but probably he- would have gotten off on the thing. But here's my thought is that he was thinking, OK, the doors are closing. There's no way out. I'm going to end up spending my life in prison. I'm just going to go in the glades and say game over. Mm. In fact, I'm going to go somewhere where I know nobody's ever going to find my body, which is most of the glades. Mm-hmm. And the glades is kind of like the desert outside of Vegas where, you know, mobsters are buried all over the place and nobody's ever found them. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe he shot himself in the head or took some pills or, I don't know, sliced his wrist or something and you fall down in the water. And it's just a matter of time before uh, the, the gators come out at night and just start chewing on anything that's dead out there. That tastes like meat. That's what but he was. Do. He was found with his notebook. That's what I don't get. This whole thing doesn't add up. So, so he was a skull and a notebook, a skull and a notebook that was at one point underwater. How does it like, we're never going to know. That's weird. Isn't it? It's like creep show. It's total creep show. So we're not going to know that, but you know, who does know some stuff Who is we got a special segment with Brett Johnson, you know, our BFF, our best felon friend. 
I do. I remember Brett. Yeah. 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 So he's going to tell us about uh, this ransomware stuff in a, in mm-hmm. a quick, uh, in a quick little segment here. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. We probably let's better go to right Brett. Into it. Yeah. Let's see what let's Brett says. All right. It's Tracy. I'm back here with our new segment that we're going to have just every so often because we need the, <laughs> you're making me laugh. Don't do that. We need the real update from what's going on with fraudsters and crooks out there. So we brought in Brent Johnson, our BFF, our best felon friend to let us know what's going on on the dark web. Thanks for coming, Brett. Tracy, it is always a pleasure talking to you. It is. It is, isn't it? <laughs> she <laughs> agrees. Yes, it you, is a pleasure you, talking to me. You are lucky. All right. So let's talk about, Brett, what's going on? We had something break here. Uh, what We're in the second week of August. What's going on? Ah, so Accenture got hit with ransomware. Accenture today. Consulting. Accenture Consulting. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if they consult about cybersecurity, but if they did, obviously they didn't listen to their own consultants. Mm-mm. So let me ask you a question. Okay. How do you think, how do you think this ransomware, the number one way this ransomware is deployed on systems today? How is it deployed? Well, doesn't someone just get like, they, like they hack in and then they just press a button. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like they hack in, I don't know. <laughs> so typically, you know, you, you think about breaches, 87% of every single breach starts with a phishing attack. Okay. Okay. And that's it's sending an right email now. that someone that's thinks is from is internal, but it's not. And they ask right. for a password uh, verification or something like that. Yeah, they ask for credentials. They get your, your credentials and they use your credentials to access the system and, mm-hmm. and put malware on there. All right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Usually that's how you would say this stuff was done. But COVID changes that. Now you've got oh. everyone working remotely. Okay. Ah, so right now, the number one way that ransomware is being installed on all of these systems across the planet mm-hmm. is by brute forcing SMB access. You see this remote desktop access. Oh, okay. There are, there are these ports. There's 137, 138, 139, 445 that we have been bitching about for years mm-hmm. that people need to keep shut down. Okay. Well, Right now, all these quote unquote hackers are brute forcing access to that. Once oh. they get access to that, they take over the machine, they install ransomware, and that it goes from there. That's 51%. That's 51% of every single ransomware attack right now is how that's installed. Just because they left the door, the door open, pretty much. Just because they it allowed them easy access to that machine. And the wow. problem is, of course, because everyone's working remotely now, mm-hmm. you've got a lot more tar- targets that are out there. It's a, it's a, it's a problem. It's, it's, it's not a good thing. Wow. So then how much is this for? How much is this ransom for? Well, okay. So, you know, we hit uh, colonial pipeline. I think that their ransom was around $4 million. Now okay. the, the federal authorities got back, I think 2.3 is what they got back of that. So that happened. Of course, Kaseya gets hit with ransomware and to hear them tell it, they didn't pay the ransom, but you know what? I'm not sure they're being truthful. Okay. All then right. Today, Accenture gets hit. Accenture gets hit and the ransom demand is uh-huh. for $50 million. Wow. And of course, that's all in Bitcoin. That's Well, it's Bitcoin or Monero, something okay. that's easily moved and hidden. And that's probably going to be Monero is, is what they're going to work if, if they know what they're doing. But the problem is, is that Accenture doesn't pay the ransom. Uh-huh. The criminals have all of this Accenture data that they uh-huh. are threatening to release if they don't pay the ransom. And they've given them a time limit. So What's the time sudden, limit? It's, I think it's like 13 days or something like that. It's, like, oh. it's some short amount of time. Okay. But there's, I think there's like, like a clock, da- a little stopwatch that's ticking down and everything else like that. So yeah, I mean, it's, oh. it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, um, it's pretty bold. It's getting a lot of news. And the problem is, is that ransomware is almost unstoppable. It, it sounds is. like because it's all coming from where? Russia and China? A lot of it's questionable places. Got, yeah. yeah. You've got very skilled individuals that are installing ransomware out there. And we can't stop them because Russia harbors these criminals. China does the same thing. North Korea, Iran, they all do the same thing. There are places where our law enforcement cannot reach these individuals. Oh man. So, and cause you know, some of these characters or you have known them in the past. 
I I have been, I wouldn't call them friends because when you're a criminal, you don't have you don't friends, have but friends. I had many associates. Associates, right, right. Associates. Yes. <laughs> right. So, so maybe you should start making some calls. Oh, I don't think they would talk to me at all. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, you're Brett Johnson. You're that new catch me if you can do get away from us, man. <laughs> oh, got um, it. Got it. Well, Brett, thank you for the update from our BFF. And um, I got to get on to our main interview today. Thanks for coming on. Later. Thank you. DEFCON Social Engineering Contest winner Chris Kirsch visits with me today. He details what it takes to beat the best of the best at tricking Fortune 500 companies to reveal info to let him into their networks. Yeah, he's really doing that. We also talk about breaking into and manipulating voting machines. Yeah, that's a hot topic. We're going to learn what's really going on out there, what's possible, and how to protect yourself from it. Enjoy. Chris, thank you so much for coming on Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. It's really an honor to have you here. It's great to be here. Thank you very much. Now, let's um, let's talk about you because I, I am just fascinated by you. I really am because um, you have just a lot of super cool things going on. And the thing I'm most interested in, we're going to talk about a lot of them, but the thing I'm most interested in is that you won the social engineering contest at DEFCON. And, and for, for people who don't know what, what DEFCON is, that is the, um, I don't know, what would you call it? Like the world's gathering of hackers? Is is that the best yes. way to? Yes, I, I think that's a, a, it's a good way to describe it. Uh, the important thing is um, that there is a, a difference in how like a, a regular person would describe a hacker and how hackers would describe a hacker. Right? Oh, okay. Let's so talk about that for a minute. If if you hear about hackers on, I don't know, USA Today or something like that, or uh-huh. average newspaper, right? Mm-hmm. They would talk about hackers in a bad sense, right? Uh, actually, cyber criminals or nation states that are hacking into systems, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas DEFCON uh, defines hackers as people who are interested in technology and who are trying to use technology in ways that they're not intended to. and that's very different right because Mm -hmm. it doesn't um it doesn't necessarily mean doing something evil in fact most of the people i've met at defcon are absolutely on the right side of the law um and and absolutely doing good things for society trying to for example um, you know, something that's very topical right now is uh, voting machines, right? Yeah. So uh, looking at voting machines, buying, uh, you know, 15 voting machines from different manufacturers and trying to hack those during the conference, not in order to, uh, you know, influence any elections, but to make sure that we are aware of all the security issues that those systems have. It goes through like all sorts of things, right? Now, it goes yeah. through, man, Sorry. <laughs> Go there, ahead. There's a lot of that going on at DEFCON. Like it is yeah. it's kind of legendary because don't, don't they bring like all the machines to one room and pretty much all of them just fall like dominoes with the people. Yes. Who know so what the voting doing. machines, for yeah. example. Yeah, I, th- I think there was not a single system that wasn't able to be compromised. Now, I'm not saying that like, you know, therefore the elections are rigged. Mm-hmm. It just means that if, if you have full control uh, local control over the machine. So not mm-hmm. over the internet, but you know, like you have the thing in your lab, like, can you influence the results? Can you forge something? Can you mm-hmm. add a new firmware? Those kind of things. Right. Right. So w- with every, with every attack, there is also the, the, the scope and the constraints of what makes that attack possible. Can mm-hmm. somebody who just walks into the voting booth, you know, like change it and so on, or can it be done over the network and those kind of things. Right. So you have to, be careful. And I don't want to be alarmist here. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, it's, I, I just wanted to get people into the mindset of um, how, how does DEFCON work and, and, and why are these people doing this? Mm-hmm. Right. It's not to cause harm. It's actually to do good, mm-hmm. uh, to bring these things to the open so that the public is aware that the vendors are aware that they can fix those vulnerabilities and mm-hmm. we can all be better uh, going forward. Okay. So let's, let's back up a little bit. Before mm-hmm. we get to this contest, which I'm so fascinated by, and I don't 
I don't want to go more into the voting thing because someone will just end up getting upset. So, um, let, how'd you end up at DEF CON? Like what, why did you wake up one day and say, you know what, I'm going to go to DEF CON. Like what, what happened? So I, I've always been interested in security, you mm-hmm. know, like, um, I, uh, and, and ever since I was a kid. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I couldn't walk into a bank without thinking like, Oh, if this were a heist movie, how would I rob the bank kind of thing? <laughs> and there's essentially <laughs> two routes you can go, right. You can either go to prison or you can go into security. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I studied, uh, I studied something completely different. I didn't study computer science. I studied, uh, politics and, um, and so on political science. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I was always interested in that topic and always interested in computers and so on. And so uh, after I left college, I joined a small startup that um, was doing first antivirus and that completely flopped and then mm-hmm. technology and so on. So I, I've been working in cybersecurity since 97. Okay. Uh, and uh, different, you know, cryptography. So that's basically encrypting things so that uh, they're safe either you know on your hard disk or mm-hmm. as they're you know you know your browser session with your bank for example you know like mm-hmm. over over the network and then um i uh, joined a different company and there i was uh, working on a product called metasploit and metasploit is a an open source tool that people use to um to test their own systems uh, in the same way that an attacker would try to hack in. Okay, yeah, makes sense, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like white so, hat in, yeah. Yeah, ethical hacking, basically yep, yeah, a tool right. for it. ethical hacking. Mm-hmm. That exposed me to this whole other world, right? Of, um, of uh, not just uh, protecting information. So cryptography is all like, you know, it's all math and, mm-hmm. and, and those kind of things. But the, the hacking world is more about how can you look at a system and figure out ways to get around how it was intended to be used. Mm-hmm. And so that's a really interesting mindset. And, and DEF CON is very much in that mindset, right? So mm-hmm. I got exposed to, to DEF CON during that time, uh, went for my first time. There's a, a DEF CON is more of like a grassroots conference. Mm-hmm. It's about 30,000 people, I think. Yeah, it's so huge. it's a lot of people in mm-hmm. Las Vegas. And there is a, a, a few other conferences in the same week, in the same town, the the biggest other one is Black Hat, and that one's more commercial. So this mm-hmm. is, you know, Black Hat would be the one with the big booths where you have vendors selling stuff and so on. And so that's where I usually went for work. Mm-hmm. And uh, DEF CON is right after Black Hat in Vegas. Okay, okay. Right, so I, I already had the the flight paid for, and I mm-hmm. just uh, tagged on the stay to DEF CON. And it was just really fascinating because you, you go there, and now it spans three hotels on the Strip. So it's a giant conference. Oh yeah, right? it's huge. Yeah, and they do anything from uh, from very low low level things like I don't know, you know, um, Wi-Fi hacking, and mm-hmm. then some some splashier things like uh, car hacking. But also, it goes into the physical world, like lock picking, for example. You know, testing. Uh-huh. Oh wow! If, if locks are um, you know can be can be opened without a key, and how easy that is, and how secure a lock is. Uh, but also let's let's back right? up on that yeah. a little bit <laughs> because yeah. it's with all of our key fobs these days it's pretty mm-hmm. easy to get in like if you know what you're doing cars are not secure even the locks mm-hmm. but but then that now they're hooking them up to the internet what do you know about that so most of the of the electronic locks that you can buy for consumers mm-hmm. are not that great from an electronic security perspective Mm-hmm. So there are, um, so, you know, the, the, the companies that are making these locks, mm-hmm. physical security world, um, where they are used to, you know, they're, uh, you know, they're, they're manufacturing like on a CNC lathe and so on and like mm-hmm. metalworking basically, mm-hmm. right. They're not yeah. used to electronics, mm-hmm. right. Uh, in, in, in the broadest sense of the world, what, and so they're not all that good at creating these systems and building these systems in a way that's secure because they don't have the right thinking. Right. Um, and then also there are a lot of companies that kind of like, you know, make cheap knockoffs um, that have even, don't even have a, a brand and a, a, an interest in 
building a reputation for electronic security because it's it's more expensive, right? You mm -hmm. have to have people testing your systems and, and banging on them to see if they're secure. So I don't know a lot of people that are in information security that actually have electronic locks on their doors as they tend to be pretty easy to Oh man, okay. Right? Okay. It's a different skill set. I mean, question is who are you trying to protect against? Mm -hmm. Are you trying to protect against like your Ocean's Eleven grade kind of person? <laughs> or are you trying yeah. to protect against the local method that's trying to, you know, steal your your right. Uh, TV, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and and so and this might shock a few people, like most locks on residential homes are actually also pretty insecure in the sense that you can open them pretty easily with lock picks or, or other tools. Oh, sure. Yeah. And so the way I perceive locks, it's more of, uh, of, of two things. Number one, it's a sign that you're not supposed to enter. Right. Right. Uh, it's uh, kind of like a almost see it as like a legal barrier. It's not mm -hmm. an open door. It's a locked door. If you yeah. override the locking mechanism, then you're willingly breaking in and breaking the light. It's not just walking into a, a building where the door happens to be open. Well, you know what happened second, to me? Yeah. Get this, get yeah. this. So I was sitting right here where I'm sitting now. I was on a webinar because that's what I do is a lot of webinars. And this has been several years ago, like before the pandemic. And I hear someone trying to come into our side door. And that's mm -hmm. for whatever reason, people always come in our side door. They don't want to come to the front door. And it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of, it's a little more hidden. It's, it's, you know, the side door. <laughs> and, um, and I thought, and it was locked and I heard someone trying to get in. And my friend, who's my producer on this show, Alex, he, he comes in all the time. He just, that's kind of how we do. We just walk into each other's houses. And, um, and I called him, I was like, Hey, um, sorry, you know, the door was locked. I was on a, I was on a webinar and he's like, it, it wasn't me. Hmm. And I'm like, I'm like, you weren't over here. And he goes, no. And so I, um, I'm like, you're not kidding me. And he's like, look, I told you I was not at your house. And I called the neighbors. I'm like, did y'all see anything? And they go, yeah, there was this guy. He was kind of all rumply and he uh, came to several doors around the neighborhood and he was posing as a, um, Edward Jones financial representative. Cause I guess they tell these people to go around and mm. introduce themselves to the neighborhood. And um, he was casing the neighborhood and it, which is mm. what he was doing. And I'm like, did y'all get a description? And they kind of told me, but you know, you can't, we didn't have cameras on the house at that point. Yeah. So uh, yeah, freak show, but, but a lock worked. <laughs> he didn't try that hard, but if it hadn't yeah. been locked here, here he would have come. Yeah. So anyway. Um, okay. So let's, um, Let's let's talk about uh, okay the the content. I'm getting you off track. I know, the, I know, I know. <laughs> with the, that's all right. With the um, with the social engineering contest. So at DefCon, there's a tell me about the contest. Like what really goes on there? Um, so uh, the DefCon is divided into so you've got the main talk tracks and then you've got the villages. Uh, villages okay. are are specialized areas of the conference. Mm -hmm. One of those villages is the social engineering village. Uh, okay. Social engineering, for those that are not familiar with it, is the art of um, influencing people so that they either do things that are not uh, in their best interest or that they don't intend to do, uh, or to reveal information. Right. So mm -hmm. um, some people think of it as manipulation. Right. Mm -hmm. If it's done in an in an uh, in a negative sense, it certainly mm -hmm. is manipulation. And social engineering is a really important part of security because it attacks the human element. Mm -hmm. Right. If you have uh, if we go back to the example of somebody trying to break into right mm -hmm. if you have all the best locks in the world on your house and really mm -hmm. strong doors and like you know smash proof windows or i don't know if that yeah whatever but um but you uh, have somebody who says like oh i just need to read your gas meter and they ask to go mm -hmm. to come, go into your house and so on steal something and walk out that would be social engineering, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody is trying to attack the human element. Mm -hmm. And so the social engineering village is a village where they give a lot of talks and those kind of things on that topic. Uh, but there is also a competition where the contestants try to trick a Fortune 500 companies that it's usually um, mm -hmm. to reveal information that they shouldn't be revealing. And these types of information 
are these pieces of information are either things that would allow you to get physically into the building mm -hmm. or to break into their networks. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. So, um, so I'll, I'll give you some examples Okay. on the, on the physical side, because that's uh, often a little bit easier to understand for the, for the listeners, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It would be things like uh, who does pest control for the company, mm -hmm. who reef the Coke machine, mm -hmm. who um, do they contract with to pick up uh, parcels, right? Mm -hmm. Packages. Is mm -hmm. it UPS or FedEx or DHL or whatever? Right. Like, and, and once you know those kind of things, you can throw on the right uniform yeah. and take a, a, what is it called? A hand truck, I think you call it, right? Yeah, with yeah, yeah. parcels on, right? Mm -hmm. You can just walk straight in. And once you're behind the barrier now, you can, you know, maybe you switch your outfit and you walk around. Oh, wow. Uh, or, right? So, so um, those are physically, mm -hmm. uh, but then... And also all of the things that would get you into the electronic systems. Mm -hmm. So figuring out what operating system people are running or what browser, what PDF reader, what uh, email client, what mm -hmm. antivirus solution, you know, those kind of things would help an attacker get past the controls. Mm -hmm. So for example, if I know exactly which antivirus version you're using and what, what vendor, then I can create a piece of malware to email to you. Mm -hmm. uh, and I can test that to see if that gets detected by the antivirus solution, right? Oh, by that wow. specific one, because uh -huh. it's, 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 uh, it's a lot harder to write malware that gets, uh, doesn't get detected by any, any uh, antivirus solution. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but if you, if you know the exact solution, you can, uh, you can test for that. Right? And you can oh, test wow. it with that solution mm -hmm. and then try and get past the, uh, the defenses. So that's how social engineering is a part of an attack on a company, for example. Mm -hmm. Wow. So then let's talk about, let's dial it down to what, what were you tasked with? Because you had to enter the contest a couple of times, didn't you? Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Like, let, let's talk about that. So first time you enter the contest, what is the mission? How is, how is everything set up? Mm -hmm. And um, take, take us through the first one. Sure. Okay. So on the first one, uh, basically you apply, there's about 200 people applying. Mm -hmm. And then there's about 14 people that get into the contest oh, because really? they need the, the time slots. You know, only have, a, a, you know, Friday and Saturday as, uh, as time slots. And part of those are taken up for talks. So the, mm -hmm. the stage isn't always available. And, uh, and then one person out of those wins, right? So okay. you apply. Uh, and um, I got uh, uh, screened in to the 14 contestants. Then for, it might be four or six weeks or something like that, before the, uh, before the conference, you get an email that says like, okay, this year we are picking this industry, right? Okay. So industries they've picked in the past were, um, I think it was uh, retail one, one year, uh, medical uh, providers another mm -hmm. year mm -hmm. um last year or like uh, last last time i was there which was maybe two years ago now because defcon got sure. uh, got canceled a couple of times right because yeah. of, uh, they, they did it uh this year but not the previous year they did gun manufacturers which was oh really wow okay okay so the the first year i i uh applied uh they looked what was it? Security companies, mm -hmm. as in not physical security, but um, but information security. Okay. Right. And so the company I got was a big firewall company, okay. and uh, I uh, I tried to prep for it, and my call time was on a Saturday. Okay. Right. So I knew the call time, uh, which is important because when you're trying to call certain numbers, if you get a weekend slot in a business to business company. That's always really tough. It really yeah. narrows your options, right? Mm -hmm. So, the first thing uh, that you start doing after you get your the, your target name, and by the way, every contestant has a different target, okay, so that they don't kind of cross contaminate each other, right? Okay. If okay. if everybody banged on the same target, the first person would have a, a really easy job, whereas the last person to call them would, mm -hmm. you know, maybe they've already alerted everybody, right? 
right? So that's why you, uh, everybody gets different companies. So I got a, a certain company. And from the time that you get the name of the company, you mm -hmm. have three weeks to do your, it's called OSINT research. Oh, really? That's, okay. Right? So that's basically researching the company with public resources. You're not allowed to go on site. You're not allowed to go and ask a friend, right? Uh -huh. But I think that's publicly available to okay. anybody else mm -hmm. you can use. So I went deep and I looked at things like LinkedIn, Glassdoor, annual reports of the company, mm -hmm. right? Because they're, they're a public company. And then uh, a ton of other sources, right? Just Googling and finding information. And so I, I also, I listened to the social engineering calls in previous years. Oh, I knew smart. that, right? Uh, I, I knew that if you call a number, where you get put on hold, right? Like a customer service helpline, technical support. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, the the even the reception desk, right? Their their job is to screen people out or to divert them, right? Uh -huh. So those numbers aren't great, right? Because okay. you lose time. You only have twenty minutes on stage later. So you've oh, that's gotta, it. Okay. Right. So you got to be really mindful in how you use your time and who you call. Mm -hmm. So my strategy at that time was okay. It's a business to business company. I don't want to be held up in like, you know, tech support would have been like one of, one of the only hotlines that were open and they're right. really process driven, right? Uh -huh. the, you know, the first question they ask you is like, okay, what's your name? What's your company? What's your contract number, right? I would have probably already been shut down on the contract number. And then I can only ask questions pertaining to my contract as a customer, right? but I want to talk about them. I need to get information about them, right? Okay. Yeah. So, um, what I did is I re researched uh, individuals uh, in the company. I researched uh, private cell phone numbers that they had. Mm -hmm. And I, there were a few different attack vectors that I looked at. So attack vector is kind of like, what's who am I phoning with what story kind of thing. Got it. Right? Okay. Okay. Um, so um, uh, one of them was to uh, pretend to be one of their key customers and they have their reference customers on the site. Right? Okay. Um, uh, who had a, a an urgent uh, sales request, et cetera. And I was targeting the salespeople because they get commissioned. So okay. they're more likely to pick up on the, on the yeah, weekends. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. So you need to just understand how, how, how people work and you know what motivates them and so on. Uh -huh. And so I'd, I'd figured out the reference customers, what locations they were in. I researched who was the likely their sales representative on LinkedIn Oh, uh, looked okay. at that person's profile, right? So I and and then found the salesperson's cell phone online and those kind of things, and then kind of prepped as one of the people from that company to phone them and to ask them questions for for a uh, I don't know if it was an audit. I think it was maybe okay. like a security audit or something like that, mm -hmm, or a financial mm -hmm. audit or something like that. And the other approach I took was uh, I found a few people on. Uh, LinkedIn that were facility managers. So these mm -hmm. are the people that take care of the buildings, right? Mm -hmm. And I also found news that this company were, had broken ground on a new site that they were building, uh -huh. right? So they were moving offices, which is, uh, you know, heavily involves the facility managers. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'd found their lease online because it was uh, like the full full uh, copy of their lease because that was filed with the SEC. Uh, it's a material oh. expense, right? Okay, okay. So they had to disclose it financially. Uh -huh. And I knew who the uh, realty company that was leasing the current building to them, right? Okay. So I like one of my uh, attack vectors was to phone as the realty company and uh, to tell them, hey, I know you're moving out next year and uh, you're, uh, because your lease is up and so on. And I have a new tenant who's really interested in the building. They would love to do a walkthrough on Monday. Uh -huh. uh, really apologize for reaching out on the weekend, but this is, you know, we're, we're trying to, to close them as a tenant. And uh, could you just answer a few questions that they had for me uh, to prepare for that, for that meeting? Right. So these were my, my, I think the biggest two attack vectors that I had for that year. And my problem was that I simply couldn't get anybody on the phone. Oh, um, no. I, I, I learned later that this company drives their employees so hard and works them so hard that nobody ever picks up a call 
from headquarters on the weekend. Oh. Um, and I was spoofing the headquarter number. You can spoof caller ID. It's sure, actually very sure. simple, right? Mm-hmm. So if you if you want to try this out, if any of your listeners want to try this out as a I'll prank, try it. Well, how do right? you do it? Um, it's a, you, you got to download an app. The one that I know off the top of my head is Spoof Card on okay. an iPhone. I'm, I'm sure it also exists for, uh, for uh, Android. Uh-huh. But basically you charge up your your account there with like, I don't know, five bucks, 10 bucks, something uh-huh. like that, uh, because you need to pay by the minute. And uh-huh. then you say, okay, what number am I calling? And what number am I calling from? Okay. okay. And then you can actually spoof caller ID. And if the number matches up to somebody that you've got saved in your phone, like if you gave uh-huh. me your, your uh, partner's number, I could uh, try to, you know, I could phone you with their number mm-hmm. and it would pop up with their contact so ID, yeah. right? So, so, so you think it's them. So I was spoofing the headquarter number, reaching out to an employee's private cell phone. And they wouldn't pick right? up. <laughs> and they wouldn't pick up. So uh, yeah. And then uh, I got dial tones and voicemails for, for most of the time. And I got one person on the phone who was a facility manager, uh, told them the story of like, hey, I want to go and you know introduce a tenant uh-huh. to your building. And they said, hey, I have no idea why you're calling me. We just extended the lease three weeks ago. And, <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm in New York anyway, uh, uh-huh. going to a Broadway show right now. So please call me on Monday. Uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> so, boy. Okay. Yeah. So that's so, a lot. <laughs> so that, that was really, really bad. So it shows uh-huh. you how important your research is. But, yeah, you know, like with three weeks, you know, probably isn't public information, probably isn't uh, something that you can find out. Yeah. Although people usually say a lot of things over social media that you can pick up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. so that was your first fail. Yeah. And that so, was my fail. So you're probably like me. You're like, wait a minute. I mean, like while I don't like try to spoof people and do all the thing, but you're comp- your competitor, right? So you're yeah. like, okay, I got to get this thing right. So <laughs> then, so the next year comes around yeah. and you enter again and they pick you again. Yeah. Uh, which is probably kind of rare, I guess, to get t- two shots at it. And so what happens What happens the year that, that you end up winning? Well, I, I, I thought, you know, I thought I've already lost my dignity, so it can't be worse. <laughs> 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 and uh, great because I was able to learn from my mistakes from the previous year. Okay. Right? Uh, when I thought about, like, why did I not get a connect? Mm-hmm. It was because I was picking... Uh, numbers of individuals. And okay. if those are away from their phone, then I lose time. And I only have these you know, precious 20 minutes. You got to get a connect really quick and then you mm-hmm. got to get into the meat of the call really quick. Mm-hmm. So the next year, uh, the, uh, the industry was gaming and toy companies. Mm-hmm. So also a little bit of a softer target. Okay. Right? Okay. Um, also many of those had, uh, there were B2C companies, right? Okay. Business mm-hmm. to consumer. Right. not business to business. Sure. So that meant they were more likely to have people uh, staffing things on the weekends. Mm-hmm. But I actually got a Friday Friday night slot, which oh, was cool. good, like okay. Friday afternoon slot. But it's in Vegas, right? So you're already missing most of the country and it was right. pretty, yeah. pretty late in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I did is I figured out that this company was a big, big toy manufacturer that you would know if I told you the name. Right? Okay. And um, so I did all of this research again. And I figured out that they had, they had all of these customer service hotlines and all of those things, but those are way too process driven, right? They follow right. a script. They're trained mm-hmm. against social engineering, all of that stuff. Sometimes maybe not. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was also a company that I know was, was not in great shape um, financially. So oh, I thought, okay. Oh, you know, this is great because those companies usually are a little bit stingy on social engineering training and those kind of things. Oh, security training, interesting. Right? Okay. Okay. So I, uh, but I picked, I, I figured out that while this company mostly produced toys and sold them into the retail channel mm-hmm. and the retail channel was what we call out of scope. So I'm, I'm not allowed to call like Toys R Us or something like that, okay, right? Because okay. they're not part of that company. They buy the toys, but they're not part of that company. So uh, I was, uh, I figured out that they did acquire a company that had their own stores. So that was part of the, the company. Mm-hmm. And that some of these stores were open during my call time, okay. you know, West Coast and Hawaii kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I figured out that while most of the store's phone numbers went straight to the customer success line, 
which is a central call center, very okay. process driven. Mm -hmm. I, I found two that uh, where I could reach people in the store, like the, you know, the okay. retail clerk in the store kind of thing. Okay. Oh, wow. Uh, so direct dial-ins, right? And so that was my primary vector that I used. And so uh, I uh, called them and I said, hey, you know, this is Mike, uh, Mike so-and-so uh, from Central IT out of, and I named, name dropped the, the town that the headquarter is of the subsidiary, right? Okay. I said, hey, um, I've got a quick question for you. Are you guys open right now? Mm -hmm. And they said, yeah, sure. We're open right now, right? So I'm dropping like a very easy, non-threatening question just to start the conversation. And you're right? getting them to say yes If I yes ask for the keys well. to the kingdom, kingdom in the first question, they're going to shut me down, right? right? But if you start building rapport with easy questions and so mm -hmm. on, and you build it from there slowly, 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 like salami tactic, uh -huh. then you can ask more and more ridic ridiculous questions. Mm -hmm. And they, they're already in the mode of being compliant to answer right. to you. And it would be a like a cognitive dissonance for them to suddenly stop and not answer. Because then yeah. why did they answer before? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So you, you want to start out really easily and so on. And uh, then I said, hey, uh, you know, we haven't gotten any booking data from your POS systems, your cash registers. Right. Uh -huh. And um, uh, I, you know, there, there's something off here. I need to pick up my my kids in 10 minutes. But would you may I ask you to help me troubleshoot this real quick? Right. Mm -hmm. So I am telling him that I don't have a lot of time. Right. Because he's thinking like, OK, who's this guy? Is he going to keep me on the phone forever because I've got to get back to my sales floor? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so I'm telling him I don't have a, a lot of time and I'm just asking for a little bit of help. And small asks for help are often reciprocated. Right. Yeah. So and then I go in and I ask them, OK, you know, like, can you do you have a computer in front of you? Um, could you open your browser and just try this internal address? So I'm starting out mm -hmm. with an internal web address. Then I get, you know, graduate and ask them, okay, could you check Facebook just to see if you have internet? Um, and Facebook, you know, going on Facebook, yeah, seems fine, right? But mm -hmm. for me, what I was trying to check is, are they filtering for Facebook, right? Are they not allowing people to reach out to Facebook? Oh, got right? it, got it. Mm -hmm. Because if they are, then I can't use Facebook to send phishing messages, mm -hmm. right? If they are using Facebook on their corporate machines, and I can an employee on Facebook mm -hmm. who's accessing uh, from a work computer, accessing Facebook from a work computer, I can send the malware to Facebook, which mm -hmm. might buy. So, uh, so I ask him that. So he can read Facebook. Great. That means it's not blocked, right? Next, I ask him to go to a very specific site. So a site that uh, is actually the, the site of, of the uh, social engineering village, right? Uh, or the organizer of the social engineering village. Uh -huh. So it's a very specific site. And if you can get somebody to type in a URL or go to a specific site, mm -hmm. it's as if you get them to click through on a phishing link, right? Mm -hmm. They go to that site and then either they're they're getting infected with malware or you get them to uh, you know log in and give up their username and password if mm -hmm. you control the site and so on. Mm -hmm. So I did that and I, I went from there and I asked them, I, I I had these 30 pieces of information that I needed to gather. Mm -hmm. They're called flags. Okay. And I strung them together in a, in a story that made sense, right? Okay. Because these are okay. disparate pieces of information, right? Mm -hmm. so, so I'm thinking about the storyline. I'm thinking about, okay, how can I fit this in? Right. Uh, you know, like, how do you go from like, hey, your POS systems aren't working to who's your, the provider for your packages, you know, like do you yeah, use FedEx yeah. or UPS, right? Mm -hmm. So you got to think about that. And so mm -hmm. one of the things I did is I said like, hey, you know, this is probably a problem with your router. Um, so I'm oh. just going to send you a new one um, and uh, have the address, but do you uh, prefer UPS or FedEx? Because I know- Oh, where wow. Okay. Over, right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, so it's, you kind of weave it into that story or I say like, oh, you know, like we've had a problem in another shop where the cleaning staff unplugged the router. Like, who do you have for cleaning staff? Is it the same company? Oh, wow. Right. Mm -hmm. So you can, you can weave those things into the story and they seem mm -hmm. like they're completely inconsequential, but now they've confirmed to me who's cleaning their building mm -hmm. uh, or their store. And now I can throw on a uniform and walk in. Right. Mm -hmm. So all of these 30 pieces of information give me one way to get into the company. Mm -hmm. Wow. And so, so you get all this info. How do they determine a winner on this contest? 
it's by points. So okay. you need to, uh, you need to, uh, out of the 30 pieces of information, mm-hmm. the, uh, each piece of information has a certain score. And uh, the, the highest score by far is getting people to type in a, a URL yeah. uh, that you control, right? Uh-huh. Because that's the, the biggest risk. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, just asking someone like, hey, how long have you been with a company, right? Uh, is, a, uh, is a very low point because it's easy to figure out and it's easy to get out of people. Uh-huh. But it's still useful because if somebody says like, oh, I'm an intern, I just started last week, Right. Now I can pretend to know more about the company and say like, oh yeah, yeah we do this all the time. You know, oh, like wow. uh, okay, this is part okay. of the onboarding process, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, so also th- this is why it's important to actually train people on security and social engineering almost the minute they join the company, because as an attacker, what I'd want to do is see on LinkedIn that they've just started with that company and I can target that person because mm-hmm. they don't know yet who's who and how things work. Right. 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 So I can I can pretend to be somebody from IT that if they've worked there for ten years they would probably know, mm-hmm. uh, but if they're brand new they're less likely to know and they're more likely to be compliant because they want to you know do well in the new job they're less likely to shut me down. Right. Wow. Okay. So then, how much did you win by? I <laughs> I don't know what the runner up was. I I remember I got the second highest score ever. Uh huh. Um, so that was pretty cool. I think Mm I almost doubled the number of points of the runner up. Oh man. uh, Okay. So you surprised me. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It was, um, and it's a combined score of the the OSINT report. So the three weeks that you have ahead of the Mm -hmm. conference, right. To Mm -hmm. collect all of that information and write it up. Uh Um, so that was, that's about, I think a third of the score. So I'm not quite sure. And then the other, uh, the, the, the balance is how much you actually do on the call. Uh-huh. And so there's judges on stage that keep score and so on. And I, I it's, it's hard for me to check the score because it's sure. like, you know, there is no recording, by the way, uh-huh. uh, for your listeners, because before everybody freaks out, all, everything that I did was completely legal. Uh-huh. Right? This is actually vetted by lawyers and the FBI. I think there's a former FBI oh, wow. agent on the judges panel. Oh, right? huh. okay. Um, and uh, we did not ask for any, any, uh, personally identifiable information. So no names or uh, emails of people, no passwords. Uh, Like if somebody gives me a phone number, they turn down the volume in the audience. By the way, this is like this whole thing is in a room with about a thousand people with a, and you're in a soundproof stay, a soundproof box on the stage. Right. And then you've got the judges panel sitting on the stage next to you. So the, the judges will, uh, you know, like if, if somebody's starting to like read out a phone number, mm-hmm. they will turn off the volume for the audience so that the audience can't hear. Got it. And the calls aren't recorded because you'd have to have consent from both sides. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, right, and that's kind of difficult yeah, to, yeah. to, to social engineer somebody, but uh, having people listen into the call live is fine. Uh-huh. But they're really strict about not re- recording the call, both mm-hmm. the organizers and they're also going through the audience and looking if anybody's like on their phone trying to record and so on. Wow. So so does if, if there's a bunch of you all on stage in a soundproof and are you in different soundproof booths? <laughs> no, Is it's that... only only one one at a session. time. One at okay. a time. Yeah. Oh, wow. OK, that's why they only have 14 slots. Got it. So what'd you win? Um, I won. So first of all, the the honor of, you know, yeah. w- winning the competition. Uh, and uh, I think that comes with like a, a little trophy and also a bottle of whiskey. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Big fan of, of, of good whiskeys. Of, uh, it was a scotch. And uh, then from the DEF CON conference, uh-huh. they pick uh, like the hardest competitions of the whole conference. Uh-huh. And they give out, I think it's per year, they give out 12 so-called black badges. Okay. So these, these are basically badges that you can use for life to get into the conference for free. Oh, cool. And that year, um, usually they're like an electronic circuit board with some funky stuff on it. Uh, uh-huh. And they're, they're you know, uh, for, for, for nerds, it's uh, uh-huh. a fun thing to play with. That year, their production company messed up. And so the only thing they could organize short notice was literally like a gold coin, like a gold medal, oh, okay. an ounce of gold. 
So it's actually worth something. It's like I'm saving more um, in in conference fees if I go through the end of my life than uh, the gold is worth. But, <laughs> but you have the gold too. <laughs> but I have the gold too. <laughs> oh, so good. Oh my gosh. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about what you're up to now, how, how you're helping people out. Um, t- t- talk about that a little bit. Sure. Yeah. So I'm... So I work in the information security industry, but I actually don't work in social engineering, arguably, right? right? right. Uh, so right now I'm a, a co-founder and CEO of a company called Rumble. Uh, mm-hmm. You can find that company at rumble.run. And uh, what we do is we help people find uh, devices, electronic devices that are connected to their network. Okay. So something that's often called asset inventory or asset discovery. Mm-hmm. And so most of the time we help, you know, uh, companies big and small to help them figure out what's connected. Because if you have very outdated devices or rogue devices on your network, it can be a security risk. And also mm-hmm. just for IT management, it's very, very useful. Uh, but if we have any geeks uh, in your audience listening out there and they want to try this out on their home network, we have a free version for home users um, that they can download at uh, rumble.run oh, cool. and uh, and try it out. Uh, and it's it's quick and easy to set up. Shouldn't take you more than 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah. Wow. So so you got a free version and then you're making money like doing this with corporations or where's your... Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah. the free version is up to 256 devices. So mm-hmm. uh, that's usually fine for anybody who's working uh, using this at home. Yeah. And uh, for the bigger companies, you know, the, the big companies, we manage up to a million assets, those kind of things. So it's, oh wow, and they use it for security, um, both for what's called incident response. So if they mm-hmm. have an active threat on the network to help mediate that or for vulnerability management, which is more proactive, kind of like trying to find things before they become a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also on the IT side, just to manage the network uh, properly, just mm-hmm. having a good inventory of stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, because was it you or someone else that was saying there was a big hack that happened because someone uh, hacked into one of those, like a thermometer somewhere? Was yeah, it- yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is a while back, but it's still, you know, still valid today. So this was the the Sands Casino in in not New York, Las Vegas. Of yeah, course. Vegas. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a casino. It's in Vegas. Um, I think they actually the, the casino doesn't even exist anymore. But they had a a uh, thermometer in a fish tank that was connected to the Wi-Fi and connected to the internet. Oh, hackers were able to get into that thermometer, right? Um, and uh, now the, nobody cares about the fish tank, right? Um, right. But from that, you know, going into the network, from the internet, into the thermometer, now that they, uh, they can move to other devices on the same network. Uh-huh. So this ended up breaching all of the credit cards um, in the hotel oh. that were used. Mm-hmm. And so they had to disclose and let their customers know and so on. So, and, and this kind of shows that there are so many devices that you, <clears throat> you don't even know are connected to your network anymore, either because somebody else put them there or you forgot, or you know, this was before your time and so on. Uh, anything from, I don't know, I had one customer who, who, who found like a, uh, an air conditioning controller in the basement that was super outdated <laughs> and that they didn't know about, you know, it's stuff like that. Uh-huh. And, and it sounds so inconsequential, but oftentimes these kind of devices, they're they're not updated, they're not controlled, right? right? And they provide a foothold for an attacker to uh, get into the organization. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Now let's, let's go, let, let's go back to this fish tank situation. Mm-hmm. Would it be like, okay, someone's in Vegas and they're walking by and they're like, oh, there's a fish tank. Oh, there's probably a thermometer there. Or is it more of like getting into the system, realizing what they have and where the vulnerabilities are in, in that? I mean, if you're in the system, then there'd already be a vulnerability. Like, do you, do you see, like, how, yeah, how does the yeah. thermometer how, how do you get find targeted? It? Yeah. yeah. How do you find it? Okay. I, I don't know how they targeted it, but I, I've seen an, in, enough in the industry that I can walk you through, like, how I would do it and, like, what's what might have happened, right, if okay. we assume that they got in through the thermometer. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, a couple of things. First of all, it, it might be that somebody's walking through the casino on site and they're figuring out that, hey, they have this thermometer. Now they do some research, right? And they say, all right, uh, download the manual of this thermometer and figure out, okay, what are the default username and password, 
Did anybody change those, right? Right. Does this thing connect back to a cloud service, right? And and can you control the thermometer through a cloud service? Mm -hmm. Um, How does it communicate with a cloud service? Does it communicate in any other ways? Are there any other open ports, right? Mm -hmm. Can I, if I connect to the hotel Wi-Fi and scan the network, can I see the thermometer? Right? Mm-hmm. Do it, can I reach it? Right? Because that's another way to to get into that. Yeah. So that's that's one way of how it might have happened, and they you know get into that and then go from there. Uh, or uh, sometimes you know you have a certain IP range. So this is the you know what an IP address is sure. like yeah. when you set on, on, on your router and your computer and so on. Mm-hmm. So typically a company would have a whole range of this. Think of like a phone number range, but an IP range, right? Stuff that is reserved by them. And that's, those are all the servers that belong to that company. Now uh, you could try and scan that range and see if you uh, find any devices that are interesting. The thermometer Mm -hmm. shouldn't have been exposed to the internet, but may have, I don't know, right? It's hard to to tell at this point, but if that device is, you know, uh, if I can enumerate that device, which means I can I can scan it, I can see it, I can I can uh, I can communicate with it, right? Then I, I can start the attack. And so, if you're thinking about what I did with the social engineering contest, mm-hmm. the all of the OSINT part, the report where I googled yeah. things and just went to open sources, mm-hmm. that's called the reconnaissance phase, sure, right, or short recon phase. Uh-huh. And so you always need to do your prep work. It's like casing a joint, right? right? You need to do your prep work. And in the same way, hackers do the same, right? They might, might do a walkthrough of the environment. They might uh, go by and scan what Wi-Fi networks are in the vicinity. They might, uh, you know, they might sit on another continent, but scan mm-hmm. your IP range uh, mm-hmm. for, to see what's there. They might look for, there's like uh, search engines on the internet. Um, mm-hmm. So in the, in the same way that, Google allows you to search web pages. There is other uh, services that allow you to scan for machines. Oh, so, wow. Okay. Right? So uh, census, uh, C-E-N-S-Y-S dot I-O is one uh-huh. of those. Okay. And so you can just type in the name of a company and find something or an IP address. And you find a, an overview of all of those uh, devices that are belonging to that company. Oh, wow. It might be, okay. for example, there, you know, like when you do online banking and you've got uh-huh. the little certificate in the, in the corner, yeah. the little lock, right? Mm-hmm. You click on that and it gives you information about uh, who that certificate belongs to. Mm-hmm. So when you scan the entire internet, you see, you know, a lot of these servers have a certificate and the name of the company is in there. So even if it's not on your IP range, it's hosted somewhere else with like mm-hmm. a cloud provider or something like that. Mm-hmm. You could search for the company name. And because the company name appears in that security certificate, you, um, you can find that computer and figure out that that computer belongs to that company. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So, so in the recon phase, you use a lot of these and uh, to figure out what's your... Uh, surface right uh-huh. what are the what are the things that are available to me the smorgasbord of right, things right, that are right. available to me for attack right? Uh-huh, right and then i start digging in and i try to find one that's like the easiest to get in or the the most likely to succeed or the the most likely to be to what i'm trying to get to you know sans casino what what they were trying to get to was the credit cards right, right. so Maybe you look at the POS systems, the point of sale systems, cash registers, right? Uh, where they swipe the credit cards. Yeah, Do yeah. those have any vulnerabilities? Can I plug something in to infect those with malware? Like there's mm-hmm. a, a lot of different ways of how to do that. Uh, you know what I'm concluding with all this? We are toast. That's just, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the bottom line to this. Okay. So I got to let you go because mm-hmm. I know you got stuff to do. One final tip that you can give people so maybe they can protect themselves. Like, cause sure. we got, we got signing up for, um, for your free, free, uh, program yeah. at, um, and that's rumble.run. What else? Anything else? Yeah. So I think the, the biggest thing that people can do, and we're talking about private individuals, right? Not companies. Sure. Yeah. So private individuals, I would say the best you can do to protect yourself is to freeze your credit. Yep. So not credit monitoring, but mm-hmm. cr- uh, freezing your credit with yeah. all the major three bureaus. So um, if you um, want to get a guide on how to do that, I think the best one is by a guy called Michael Basil. I think he's pronounced B-A-Z-Z. 
E L. Mm-hmm. And if you just uh, search for Michael Basil um, credit freeze or something like that, mm-hmm. you'll get a little booklet and he gives you, he walks you through like his recommendations. Uh, and by the way, this is completely free. Like the booklet is free. I don't think he even requires you to register with your, your email address or anything. You just download it. And then also uh, freezing your credit with the, uh, with the uh, major bureaus is completely free. Yeah. And, and so that will protect you from anybody else signing up for a credit in your name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it'll also, by the way, reduce the, the junk mail that you get because a lot, of companies, right? uh, yeah. a lot of the, the companies actually get your address from the credit bureaus, especially like free ca- credit card offers and those kind of things. Yeah, for so sure. I, think, I did it. Yeah. 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 I think that's the most important thing. Um, if you want to learn about some of the other things, I wrote an, an article on uh, medium.com. So if you search for medium uh, Kirsch, my last name, K-I-R-S-C-H, and uh, identity theft, I think that if you plug that into Google, you should find the article. And it's, uh, I think, 13 different ways of what I recommend people do to protect themselves personally. Uh, most of those are completely free. Um, some of those are not free, but very cheap, and I don't have a financial interest uh, in them. Got it, got it. Um, so, so it's my my honest opinion. And then also, if you're just interested in in the DefCon call, uh, like I said, it wasn't allowed to be recorded, but we reenacted the call. Oh, you did! Um, so it's actually available on YouTube. So if you search for DefCon D E F C O N, uh, Kirsch, my last name, uh, and uh, winning social engineering call, I think it is, Mm -hmm. uh, then you should be able to find that. Oh, wow. Oh, I'm going to do that for sure. Well, I tell you what, Chris, you're awesome. Thank you so much for coming on Truth, Lies and Cover-Ups today. I really appreciate having you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining me. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it. I'll see you next time.